Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Sunday Podcast. This is our chance to play for you some of the best moments from the radio show and some great interviews during the week that you may have missed. If you ever want to check out our show, go to Bongino.com. Go to Station Finder and see what radio station we're on near you. You'll love it. I promise you. We put a lot of work into the radio show. Check it out. But before that, let me tell you about our first sponsor. Ever heard of data brokers? They're the middleman collecting the digital footprints you leave online. They use your browsing history and location data to sell your profile off to a company who delivers you a targeted ad. No biggie, right? Well, you might be surprised to learn that these same data brokers are also selling your information to the Department of Homeland Security and the IRS. Oof. To mask my digital footprints, I protect myself with ExpressVPN. Brokers aggregate data and tie it back to you through your device's unique IP address, which also reveals information about your location. When you're connected to ExpressVPN, your IP address is hidden, making it difficult for them to identify who you are. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of network traffic to keep your data safe from the hackers on public Wi-Fi. That's why I have the ExpressVPN app downloaded on all of my devices, phone, computer, even my home Wi-Fi router. All I do is tap one button and I'm protected. It's really that easy. I love it. I use it everywhere. Get the best VPN money can buy. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino right now and get three extra months free. Expressvpn.com slash Bongino. First up today, we talk with Dinesh D'Souza about our soon-to-be-released project together. Me and him worked on this for a long time. It's a really great movie called Police State. It's going to open your eyes. It's kind of a little bit sad what we're living in right now, but you need to know about it. Check it out. Find out what the movie's all about. PoliceStateFilm.net is the website. It's really important. Take a listen. One of the producers, I've been working on this project with him for a long time on a new movie called Police State. It's going to be premiering in theaters October 23rd and 25th. It's an amazing, amazing piece of work that is, um, if you're, uh, you're going to need a Kleenex when you're done at what our country's uh, collapsed into. Uh, welcoming back to the show, Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Dan, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sure. So you launched the full-length trailer yesterday. You can check it out, folks, at policestatefilm.net. You can also see it on my social accounts, Dinesh's social accounts. Uh, it's about three minutes, Dinesh. And again, you watch the trailer and you're thinking, I, I can't believe this has happened to the United States, that we actually had to make this film I think this is your most important piece of work yet uh, because of what it exposes. Your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I agree. This is a film that, you know, I started off by being scared that our basic liberties are in peril. And then the process of making the film has, you know, deepened my uh, anxiety. And um, I, I, I use the analogy, I, I almost feel like a, an animal that sees a sort of movement in the trees and is trying to warn the herd that there is that we're all in danger and we need to take protective action. But there are so many people who feel, oh, wow, well, I know, but, you know, I, I'm not Donald Trump and, and I didn't go into the Capitol in January 6th. And so I can continue to graze here like a wildebeest and know the, you know, the line is not going to pounce on me. And this is the kind of attitude that gets you a police state. It does. And we're talking to Dinesh D'Souza. He uh, produced the film Police State. I'm involved in this film. I'm actually in the film, too. You know, Dinesh, it's interesting. We were doing the when we were filming portions of it, you know, you and I were chatting for the film. And, you know, obviously it, it, it's, a, you know, it's, it's about an hour and a half. The movie, the movie could have been I think you and I both agree we could have done five hours. I mean, you and I alone probably talked for two hours. And it's interesting when you and I were done with our segments, everything was like, gosh, this stuff is so good because it's so bad. I mean, everything I was telling you about how, how we've degenerated into this into this mess and how a government that's a constitutional Republican, a representative democracy is not supposed to target citizens in search of crimes. They're supposed to target, you know, crimes in search of the people who did them. Yet it's the exact opposite now. Yeah. You know, if it'd be one thing if I, we were making a film and we said that, look, there is one aspect of the police state, let's say censorship, that is now creeping its way into the country. But what terrifies me is that all the signature elements of a police state, I mean, if we think of North Korea, China, the old Soviet Union, they had mass surveillance. 
They had censorship. They had a rampant ideological indoctrination all the way from the, the lowest grades of school all the way through colleges and in the media. They were one-party states where the opposition party, if it existed at all, was weak and ineffective. They had political prisoners. So think about it. All these elements are now manifestly present in our society, and it becomes really difficult for us to even use the term United States and free country in the same sentence. Yeah. Dinesh, how can people get tickets? I've got a few more questions, but how, how is the movie going to work? How's it coming in theaters? Is there, a, is there an online launch? How exactly does that work? Well, we have bought out hundreds of theaters on two days, uh, October 23rd and October 25th. So those are the two days to see it in the theater. Uh, the other way to see it right now is the virtual premiere. The virtual premiere is out of a spectacular studio in Las Vegas, but you watch at home. There'll be live music. There will be the whole film will be played. You and I, Dan, are going to do a Q&A, a live Q&A to follow. So it's a wonderful program out of a magnificent venue. Uh, and tickets both for the theatrical and for the virtual premiere are, are from the website. It's policestatefilm.net. You can't get them at Fandango or get them from the theater. You have to go to the website. It's the one-stop shop for tickets for everything. Policestatefilm.net, not .com. Policestatefilm.net. Dinesh, the, the movie Police State, these are real stories. You know, a couple of people asked me yesterday on my social accounts and on Facebook, they had said, you know, is it some kind of docudrama, you know, with actors? I said, well, there are actors in it portraying some folks in the FBI, but the stories in there are very real. The, the people in there and the victims of the police state are very real. They are, they are not actors at all. And there, there's, a, there's a scene in the movie, you know, the aunt of one of the victims of the police state, that's, that's just devastating to watch. And I got to tell you, I sat there with myself, a grown man, getting a little, um, you know, getting a little wet in the eyeballs, listening to this. It's really hard to listen to these stories. Well, the movie is really divided into two types of testimony. The first one is from people who have been um, uh, architects and behind the scenes in the police state. These are whistleblowers and insiders, people who know how this operates, how this evil sausage-making machine, in a sense, is constructed. So you understand more about how the police state functions. The other is ordinary citizens who have come, you know, who have felt the hot breath of the police state on their face. And so these are people giving firsthand testimony. Now, in some cases, these guys have actual police video, FBI video, body cam video, and we show it in the film. In other cases, they describe what happened and we recreate it. And the reason we recreate it is we want the ordinary citizen, we want the guy watching this movie to be there. It's one thing for you or me to tell them about it, but then they feel like it's never going to happen to me. I'm never going to see a battering ram come through my door. So you got to take people to see what the police state looks and feels like. That's really what it's, it, it creates both an intellectual and emotional awakening. The movie is available at policestatefilm.net for theater dates and for the online premiere, policestatefilm.net. Dinesh, you're a pretty astute observer of the political scene. You know, I watch your videos a lot when you used to debate and probably still do once in a while on college campuses, and they're pretty impressive. I mean, you just absolutely eviscerating some of these kids, and you have a lot different style than I do. I, you know, I kind of admire your style. I wish I had a little more self-control, <laughs> but you're really good at this, and I, I'm kind of want your overall take with, with the police state, the border crisis, Chaos in our inner cities, which you and I know is deliberate. The left has always had shock troops in the street. They're now just empowered. If we lose in 2024, you know, there are some people on Twitter and social media I really respect. Learned guys like you saying, I don't know where this is going to go. There could be some really dark days ahead. Your thoughts on that in the overview? I, I, mean, I agree with that. I think that uh, once the jaws of a police state snap shut, it's very difficult. Uh, your options become very limited. In fact, as we know from people, for example, who have become refugees from places like North Korea, at that point, the only thing you can do is run. And, uh, and so we're trying to avoid that situation. We have a window of opportunity to use our influence, our power individually, but also collectively, 
to stop and block and roll back this police state. I mean, we're now not trying to roll back the Soviet Union the way Reagan was. We're trying to roll back a similar, you may almost call it an evil empire in this country. Uh, And that is our task. And by tragic necessity, we are the only ones who can do it. So this movie to me is more than a movie. It's a it's a cause. It's an alarm. It's a you know, it's a it's a wake up, uh, an urgent wake up call to the American people. I think that that people know something is deeply wrong. And I'm hoping that the movie just taps that chord where they begin to realize this is not normal politics and uh, and we need to be really vigilant now because a lot is at stake. We're talking to Dinesh D'Souza, the producer of the new film Police State. Tickets available at policestatefilm.net. And Dinesh, compounding the problem, last question, I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. But the, the, the problem compounding here is that the technological tools available to enforce a police state are, you know, geometrically larger and more powerful than they were even 20 years ago. Facial recognition, artificial intelligence, social credit scoring. I mean, China, the world's largest surveillance state, has basically done a tutorial for the world on how to enforce this. I mean, these are the kind of things, uh, you know, when you looked at, you know, the fall of Czechoslovakia, if they would have had these technological tools, the Soviet Union, others, they'd probably still be in existence. I mean, they just didn't have the means to keep the beach ball underwater. But in this This dangerous era with the world's... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, this is a very profound point because in the opening pages of Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago, he describes a woman uh, who goes into the town square and meets a friend who tells her, get out of town, you're on a list. And so uh, Solzhenitsyn says she doesn't get out of town. She goes to her apartment, she tries to pack her stuff, and sure enough, the cops are waiting for her. She gets sent off to the Gulag. But the implication of the story is that had she gotten on a train, she could have disappeared in the vast Soviet Union and they would never find her. So this goes to your point that today that would be impossible. Why? Because today they can track you very easily. And so technology, which can be an instrument of liberation, can also be an instrument of tyranny. The other thing I think for people to realize is that we have a police state with a peculiar American kind of accent. Uh, One guy in the movie actually uses the phrase, we're becoming China plus drag queens. And so there are strange elements of our police state that you don't find in other police states. And one of the things that I think makes this movie really interesting is it looks at uh, these anomalies. Most police states, for example, have a Berlin Wall. They lock you in. You can't get in. You can't get out. We have an open border. So what's why does our police state have an open border, whereas other police states tend to be locked up. These kinds of issues are dealt with and examined and explained in the movie. So it's a it's a very rich movie intellectually as well as emotionally. I think people will come out uh, from it understanding it better, but also being really fired up and mobilized about what to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I left with it's weird, but a, 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 almost a, you know, a yin and yang, like a sense of dread but a sense of necessary dread that I needed this dread to motivate me to do something in 2024 because I'm long on the United States, Dinesh, I am. We've been through a lot of really horrible things and we fixed them. I believe God has blessed this country, but we can't run away from the problems to get there. And the movie is just a stinging, damning, emotional indictment of where we are right now. Folks, the movie is called Police State. Tickets are available for the October 23rd and 25th movie premiere and the online premiere after that at policestatefilm.net. Dinesh, it's an amazing project. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Always a pleasure. You got it. And folks, if you want to see the trailer, I'll play some of it on my podcast tomorrow, but you can go to my social media accounts or Dinesh's right now. The full three-minute trailer is right there. It's, It's a ride. It's a ride. It's a lot to deal with, but you need to hear it. I really urge you to see this movie. It's important. Up next, another great interview. But first, let me tell you about our next sponsor. You ready to discover the incredible benefits of a good night's sleep? You know I'm a life hacks guy. Sleep matters. It's time to awaken your senses and embrace the importance of restful slumber. Dive into the world of sleep and introduce yourself to an amazing product that could revolutionize your nighttime routine. Beam Dream. It's a game changer. Their dream powder is a hot cocoa designed specifically for sleep. This stuff's amazing. Sleepy time after you drink this stuff. They have flavors like cinnamon cocoa, chocolate peanut butter. It's a treat to sip on before bedtime. It tastes amazing, and you're going out. The secret lies in Dream's powerful all-natural brand of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, and apigenin. 
These ingredients work synergistically and help you fall asleep faster. It's that simple. Stay asleep longer and help you wake up feeling refreshed. No next day grogginess. Here's the best part for our listeners. Beam's offering an exclusive discount on their dream powder. Just try it. Thank me later. For a limited time, you can get up to 40% off when you visit shopbeam.com slash Bongino. Use code Bongino at checkout. Take control of your sleep and experience the wonders of Beam Dream. Shopbeam.com slash Bongino. Use code Bongino for up to 40% off. Your body and mind deserve the gift of restful night's sleep. Earlier this week, after these uh, atrocities overseas by the Savages, and that's what they are, Savages, we had Auburn's head basketball coach, and obviously he wasn't on talk about basketball, Bruce Pearl. He's a big activist for freedom and liberty. Uh, he was on the show. He's very passionate about this issue. He's a good friend. You're going to want to listen to this. I want to welcome back to the show. Uh, this tough, tough show today, folks. I, it's been hard for everyone. Um, a guy I've known for quite a while now. He's a real leader. He's a coach for the uh, Auburn men's basketball team and a great guy, but that's not why he's here today. We're not here to talk about basketball. He's also a patriot who cares deeply about this country and uh, deeply about the right of Israel to exist. Exist without being the victims of savages and brutality and evil. So I want to have him on today to talk about what's going on. Welcoming back my friend Bruce Pearl. Bruce, how are you, buddy? Dan, we're doing okay. Uh, thanks for having me on, and thanks for your leadership and your courage and in, in covering uh, you know this uh, this tragic event and uh, certainly something that uh, is almost unprecedented uh, in the Middle East. These are extraordinary times in in Israel's history as well as the history of our own country. I know, I know, Bruce, and it's um. You know, it's hard to do a show like this today. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you're, you're a great basketball coach, but no one's thinking about radio or basketball today. We're thinking about humanity. And, you know, when I, when I, when I last ran into you at the Tennessee game and we were chatting last year, it's interesting. Like, I, I want people to understand, like, you're, yeah, you're, you're a really talented, great basketball coach, but that's not the thing you talked to me about. You were talking to me about my daughter and church groups and, like that's that's who you are, man. This this is this yeah. for you is real. Like this isn't some talking point. You know this matters to you, and and yeah. it's really sad dealing with. We're dealing with savagery, Bruce. We're not dealing yeah. with you. We're dealing with savages, and they asked for this fight, not us. Yeah, it's 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 really really difficult, uh, you know, right now, Dan. And and I know people would like to say to me, just shut up and dribble, and um, and why don't you just worry about coaching, so on and so forth, but. I'm grateful to be a citizen of this country. I'm grateful for the right to uh, the freedom of speech and, and the opportunity to be able to, you know, communicate along these lines. And, um, you know, first and foremost, we want to pray for the pray for all the victims, pray for all the pain, pain, you know, ask God to, you know, somehow, um, you know, somehow be present in this moment in, in some way, you know, shape or form. Um, Israel has been dealing with this threat since its existence. You know, everybody's talking about, is this 9-11 or is this Pearl Harbor? Uh, they're all, everybody, you know, everybody's kind of right at what they're doing. To me, it reminds me, reminds me or about 1948. This reminds me more of when Israel was born and the Arab world, but in this particular case, out of, coming out of Gaza, um, attacked her because she just hates her, hates the Jews, and, and can't possibly live next door or peacefully with its Jewish neighbors. Yet at the very same time, and of course the timing of this is perfect, uh, Iran sponsored the whole thing. That's the head of the snake. They're the ones that have funded it, along with their friends in Qatar and, and several other places, because the world saw that Saudi Arabia and some of the other Gulf Arab states who are part of the Abraham Accords are really truly beginning to talk about normalizing relations and peace and having it, peace and prosperity being the best interests of their citizenry. Well, that is not what Islamic terrorists want. The, and we're not talking about a war between Jews and Arabs. We're talking about a religious war between Jews and Islamic extremists who believe that, 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 that you know, I take Iran and their leadership at their word. They say they're for the destruction and the complete annihilation of the state of Israel. So what, what for years now, all Israel's been is on the defensive, on the defensive, building up barriers, building up walls, Iron Dome, David's sling, all that is defensive weaponry. 
Now, I think Israel is to the point, and I hope the world is to the point, where just like you said, we're not dealing, we're dealing with terrorists. And you know, Dan, the worst thing about it is the leadership of Hamas, they're not in Gaza City right now. The poor Palestinian people are in Gaza City. Right now, those Hamas leaders are in Kuwait, and they're in Qatar, and they're in, you know, somewhere in Baghdad. And they're sitting there calling the shots from their palaces, and they've put these, and they've indoctrinated and brainwashed these Palestinians that are living in Gaza into, into, into terrorists. And, but Israel not only must defend itself, because it's been defending itself for 75 years, Israel cannot sit back and be defensive any longer and let their men, women, and children be slaughtered. Yeah. That's Bruce, over. this is such... Uh, yeah. No, it has to be over. We, uh, you know, I, the the savage only understands death. They, 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 there's no reason. There's no, there's no negotiating. There's no paying them off. And Bruce, what you said is correct. The timing on this was calculated. The savages have a history of doing this in the past. They did the same thing during Oslo. They know that if they can instigate chaos, death, rape, destruction, torture, and bloodshed, hostage taking, they know that, of course, as the Saudis were probably this close towards inching towards a really big peace deal that would add on the Abraham Accords. The the Iranians aren't stupid. They knew the minute that they did this that the you know some of the terror groups in in uh in and around the world would be pressuring the Saudis to back out too. This was not an accident. The timing. This was done on purpose. Yeah, it, it was, and it's been planned for a long time. How about this, Dan? Think about this. While some folks in Iran were, were negotiating with the Biden administration about the release of five convicted terrorists that are in the prisons in our country with five just innocent civilians that have been in prisons in Iran, oh, plus six billion, um, while they were in that negotiation with the United States, they were also plotting and planning this attack and funding this attack. So the very people, and this is what made the JCPOA and the, the deal that, that, that President Obama um, signed off and, and created. And yet Bibi Netanyahu in Israel were begging the United States, please, please don't get into this deal because they're not going to keep up to their part of the bargain. They're going to build, try to build a nuclear weapon. They're going to try and, um, and, and, and b- develop the missiles and the rockets to, be, to deliver that weaponry. How can we, as an ally, and, and is, uh, the United States has been a, a great ally of Israel. So without the United States and the support of, of, of Iron Dome and, and, and the different funding to keep Israel alive, Israel would be probably not on the map right now. So I am grateful as an American Jew, and I'm grateful, by the way, to, with our allies. I know who our friends are in the world, and Israel is one of our great friends. Right now, I do think, I kind of lost my train of thought, but I do think what Biden has done, sending the aircraft carriers and sending that to, to the Middle East right now, the message needs to be really clear. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a fist fight, Dan. You'd understand that. We don't, your listeners would understand this. Two brothers are going to have a fit. two brothers are going to have a fifth fight. They're not great brothers, but they never Everybody else says, "Hey, let them fight. Just let them, let them, let them, let them fight." Right now, Israel needs to go take care of Hamas, and the rest of the world needs to stay out of it. Needs to stay out of it, and the Biden administration needs to say to Iraq, or Iran, excuse me, through their proxies in Lebanon, in Lebanon with Hezbollah, and the other places, you've already done enough damage. All right, you already caused this. But you better stay out of it now. Like, you better not yeah. create another front. Because if you yeah. do, I'm a, I, I, the United States is going to have to e- help Israel even more to survive. Because if we don't, then, then, then we, we may wake up one morning and Israel could be gone. We're talking to Bruce Pearl. Bruce, that's my fear. We, we've seen the trajectory of, of this in the past uh, follow a parallel track. You'll see a, some savage brutal attack on innocence. Uh, Israel will respond. Uh, there may be some civilian deaths. Of course, they're not aiming for that, but this is part of the war. It's an ugly part, but it's not an intentional part. It is on the part of the terrorists, not on the part of Israel. They actually give warnings. They do roof knocks. They drop leaflets, get out. Uh, but the thing is, you can't prevent civilian casualties, Bruce, 
when the Palestinian, uh, when, when Hamas and the savages are using them as human shields and tell them not to evacuate. I, I don't think people understand that. This is the part. That, so then what happens is they use the propaganda from civilian deaths uh, in, in these uh, Hamas-controlled areas in Gaza, and then they say, oh, ceasefire. We need a ceasefire before the job is done, and it just starts to repeat itself again. We can't do that. It has to be. They no. have to get the job done. They don't have a choice. This is an existential fight right now. Dan, you're, you're spot on. You're, you know, you're exactly right. And it's going to be painful and it's going to be ugly and it's going to be awful. And uh, Israel didn't want this. The United States didn't want this. Um, you know, nobody really wanted this except Iran. Iran want, wanted this because they knew exactly how Israel, you know, would be would be forced to respond. Um Put it in perspective. If right now we've got a thousand Israelis dead in one day, obviously it's the most Jews that have ever been killed in a single day since the Holocaust. Just to put it in perspective, if you were to equate what about a thousand Jews with or Israeli citizens um, would equate to in this in this country, that would be about thirty thirty five thousand Americans. Let's just say, for example, Dan, not to not to pick on Cuba or pick on some place uh, in the world, but let's just say for some reason there was some infiltration, you know, from Cuba into Miami, into Fort Lauderdale, into uh, down there in South Florida, just like in south of Israel. And somehow they came in there and they indiscriminately started shooting and killing men, women and children. Thirty thousand Americans died. Would our response be? Uh, restraint would our response be a measured response how yesterday could several of our congressional leaders like aoc call for calm now when 30,000 americans in this example would have been murdered the way they were murdered that's what they did yesterday and so you know unfortunately israel can no longer sit back and be on the defensive um, and I, I think it's really simple. Um, if you, they keep talking about the two state solution, Dan, and nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody's got to stay away from this talking point because it's so tragic. In 2005, Ariel Sharon pulled 30,000 Israelis and communities out of the Gaza Strip in an exchange for land for peace, in, a, in an exchange of giving the Palestinians their own state their own homeland, and to begin to do some of the things that the Palestinians were promised all the way back in 1948, and through all the different peace treaties, all the different times the Palestinians turned down incredible amounts of land, way more than they should have had, but, but, but they were given, they were, and turned it down because they wanted it all. They wanted all of Israel. But know what? We did it. People want two-state solution. Gaza's been a state. And what kind of a state have they turned it into? They burned the, the greatest tulip and rose uh, orchards in, in the world down. They desecrated the synagogues. They, 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 and, and they created and they, and they elected Hamas as their government, mm-hmm. uh, these terrorists. And, 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 that's, yeah. and now the world, including our government right now, wants Israel to give up part of what Judea and Samaria and, have, have, and create another Palestinian state so they can continue to launch rockets and 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 and, and suicide missions and and kill yeah. Jews. I'm no, sorry. No. They tried no, to do yeah. two state solution and it, it and and this is what they've gotten. Yeah. Bruce, I got to run but yeah, land for peace just turned out to be land for rockets. That's all we got in return. There's uh, that's indisputable. Bruce, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. You're a real uh, warrior for liberty and I appreciate you being vocal about this uh unbelievably important existential topic thanks a lot my friend i'll talk to you soon let's just hope and pray that as things get worse right now and we lose the high road because of the atrocities that we don't lose our conviction to finish the job yes sir you know it thanks a lot bruce i appreciate it buddy i'll talk to you soon that's it folks we can't we gotta get it done up next another great guest but first our next sponsor Last month, the G20 announced a plan to impose digital currencies and digital IDs on their population. Central bank digital currencies essentially could allow the government to track every purchase someone makes. Some believe it could even prohibit someone from purchasing certain products or freeze or seize part or all their money. Been warned about this forever. Concerned Americans 
are diversifying their assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. If you want physical gold held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, call Birch Gold. I buy gold through Birch Gold. Why? Because I trust them. I've used them twice. Get a free information kit on gold IRAs by texting the word DAN to 989898. Listen, if you have an IRA or 401k from a previous employer, Birch Gold can help you convert it to an IRA in gold. And you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Again, text DAN to the number 989898. Claim your free information kit from Birch Gold. Because if digital currency becomes a reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to fall back on. Performance may vary. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Message and data rates apply. Here's a friend of mine, a former colleague in the Secret Service, Charles Chuck Marino. Good guy, uh, knows a ton about national security. I had him on to talk about the open border. And he said something about the threat level. It's going to open your eyes, and I hope you listen. It is uh, disturbing, but again, you need to hear about it. Check this out. So, uh, you know, 10 years plus of working around law enforcement guys, they're some of the best in the business. You know, in life, you got the 80-20 rule. 20% of people do 80% of the work. You know, I found in law enforcement and the military guys I worked with that it's the opposite, that uh, 80% of the guys do 80% of the work and 20% are what we would call hit bags. You just got to throw an S strategically in there. So it was the actual opposite. I met a lot of great guys. This is one of them, a guy I worked with in the Secret Service, uh, real expert on Homeland Security issues, knows his stuff. Uh, Chuck Marino, Charles Chuck Marino, so good to talk to you again, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Good to hear you. Yeah, it's been a long time, buddy. We uh, did a lot of uh, yeah. protection operations stuff together back in the day. I'll never forget. I got a great uh, 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 Chuck. I don't want to like uh, put you on the spot, but uh, my favorite story we were doing. Uh, I think it was out Long Island. We were doing something for Mrs. Clinton or Al Gore. I don't remember or something. Yeah. And it was like yeah. a flat tire on a car or something like that. And someone was screaming like ah, and and uh, and, and Charlie comes out. and He's like, everybody, calm down. The flat tire. Like, that's he's like, relax. <laughs> Just put her in a different car. And I'm like, I like this guy already. So he's a calm guy. He knows what he's talking about. But I got you here on serious stuff. You're, you're, you're deeply familiar yeah. with the security situation in the United States. The southern border, yeah. Charlie, it's a mess. It's a total disaster. The savages are here. They're crossing the border. The numbers are just staggering. We have no border controls. How do you rate the threat right now that we could see some kind of small arms, soft target attack in the United States and they may have come in through the southern border? Oh, there's no doubt, Dan. We are certainly, while the government won't come out and officially do it yet, we are at an elevated threat environment. You know, one of the things I did when I was working for the Secretary of Homeland Security was implemented the new National Terrorism Advisory System. I know exactly when and why it's supposed to be used. And this is the exact moment that we should see an NTAS bulletin be issued by the Department of Homeland Security and the intelligence agencies telling Americans that we're at an elevated threat here. Look, the country has been infiltrated. Our borders weren't overtaken by force, uh, like we see what happened in Israel. Our borders were overtaken by invitation, invitation through the Biden administration. You and I were talking about this when Biden was campaigning, that if he got in and he did what he wanted to do with border security and immigration, that it would be a disaster for our national security. So for us to not think that people have already been gotten inside our country and have been planning to strike from within would be dangerously naive. Uh, it, Chuck, it's insane. We're talking to uh, Charles Chuck Marino, a former Secret Service agent, colleague of mine, good man. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, you know, when you and I were, were agents doing protection ops, you know, we carefully controlled everybody that came into an event because it could literally cost the president his life. I mean, if the president's working a rope line and you're not running mags, yeah. you know, running pat downs, you know, running dogs, you could have a guy in the rope line with a razor blade who just nicks the president's carotid and it's over. Good night, Irene. You're not going to save him in time. Yet this is the craziest thing. We have this open border policy where we're not only letting people in. We're not vetting them at all because there's no link up in the computer systems where we can vet these people. If they come from a country, say, like Afghanistan, that doesn't have a DMV like we know it. They're not. There's no photo identity retinal scans going on. The guy could say, my name is Joe Smith from Afghanistan. And we're like, oh, OK, come on in. 
I mean, you're guaranteeing an assault on the president. And when their lives are at stake, I guess the point I'm making, when their lives are at stake, security's airtight. Yet when our lives, our lives are at stake, they don't seem to care at all. The border's totally open. No, you're right. We're not taking the same care uh, with respect to the, the safety and security of the American public based on who we're letting into the country. And let me reinforce what you're saying. Look, uh, I know you know what you're talking about. Your listeners know you know what you're talking about. But let me reinforce it anyway. You are exactly right. Of the 8 million people that have been encountered, the majority of them cannot be thoroughly vetted. This is a fact. We do not share information with the majority of countries of origin that we're encountering at the border. And then you add to that the 2.7 million gotaways, which is probably likely more likely 6 million. And then there are those that bucket that goes totally undetected uh, where we don't know how many of those have made it into the country. Look, this has been one of the most uh, asinine national security approaches by any administration in the history of this country. It undercuts directly every single agency that is tasked with protecting the homeland. This is not putting them at an advantage to stop the next attack in the United States. This is putting them at a serious disadvantage. And they know that. And that's why the threat level in the country right now is blinking red. And all the intelligence and law enforcement agencies know this. Yeah. We're talking to Charles Marino, a former Secret Service agent, security expert, former colleague. Jim, let's put this on a weekend interview, too. I need everybody to hear this. Uh, Chuck, another thing, uh, you know, you and I were investigators as well. Secret Service investigates financial crimes, not just protection. And, uh, you know, you probably did a lot of counterfeit cases uh, like I did early on in your career. And you you know the border, the border, the counterfeit, especially the Colombian stuff, the P notes, um, the the uh, the the uh, uh, the super note problem we had an issue with. A lot of this stuff is shuttled across the southern border. But when we would uh, task force out with the DEA guys, I learned something interesting early in my career that the exact same mules transporting kids for sex trafficking, drugs across the border and counterfeit, that it's the exact same crew. They don't really care, Chuck. All you got to do is give them a, you know, give them your hundred dollar bill or whatever it is. And you're good. Whether you're transporting a terrorist, a kid for sex trafficking, counterfeit or drugs, it's the same people. These people know the border in some cases better than a lot of these junior uh, border patrol guys who just got on the job. It's not a, it's not their fault. It's just they got there. These guys make money off knowing the border so they could secrete someone in here. No problem. They know exactly what they're doing. Dan, you're exactly right. The cartels are in the business of making money. They're not a true insurgency from the respect like we saw right. with the FARC in Colombia that want to govern the country. They don't want to govern right. the country. They just want to minimize the government's ability to impact what they're doing, making money. And here's the deal. You're exactly right. And this is where it becomes dangerous, which is why we need to start going after the cartels as if they're terrorist organizations, because we see them working with China via fentanyl poisoning to kill hundreds of thousands of Americans. So why would we think for a second that the cartels, if they could make a lot of money, would not for a second work with a terrorist organization to facilitate getting them across the border and into the country? Right. It's it, what are you at a racetrack or something? That was pretty cool. Jim and I are like, yeah, is that a drag race going hey, on. Hey, sorry about that. I'm actually outside getting ready to go teach a national security class. Can you believe it? Oh, was it? Someone just sped down your street. Oh, that's cool, man. No, no, there's no rules on this show, Chuck. Don't worry. This isn't like, I know you do a lot of media, but this show is, I was going to mess with you before you said asinine and go, Chuck, we have language, you know, language on this show. Don't talk. Have you ever heard this show? Poor Jim's got to hover over the beat button on this show like he never has in his life because he never knows what's coming out of my mouth. (laughs) Relax, Jim. (laughs) So, Chuck, you and I uh, spent a lot of time at the White House and- uh, when we were there, technology was different. I mean, we first got on the job. Remember the two-way pagers? We were like, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest technology ever. We, we, matter of fact, That's we right. got on the job. They weren't even two-way. They were only one-way. Two-way That's was right. later on, the little flippy things. And then we got Netscape and the Internet. But uh, when we were at the White House, drone technology is, was nothing like it is now. You as a Homeland Security expert, a legitimate a guy who's in this space full-time now, Chuck, this is what freaks me out. Uh, A drone Mm -hmm. over Times Square, 
Uh, yep. and, and folks, believe me, don't say, oh, you're giving them ideas. Trust me, this idea is already there. Where do you think the paraterrorist yeah. thing came from? The problem with the That's air, right. Chuck, is human beings can't fly. So when me and you were at the White House and an alarm breaks and Echo 6 or whatever, UD mm-hmm. goes over and clears it because we just walk over there and clear it. If it comes from the sky, we can't fly, brother. You either shoot it out of the sky or you're screwed. The drone stuff freaks me out. Yeah, we're not just talking about 360-degree security uh, for our country on the ground. And and that's why I was talking so much, uh, as you were, when we had the uh, Chinese spy balloon uh, incursion over our airspace. I I mean, look, you've got to be looking above. You've got to be looking below. Uh, as we used to do when we were setting up security uh, for these high-level folks. Um, This is a very real threat. And again, to minimize uh, death uh, of their operators, these terrorist groups will use technology. And based on the policies of the administration, the cartels have never been so powerful, both financially and operationally, as they are now. So they are yeah. definitely getting and working with these adversarial countries to get today's latest technology, including drones. It's a real threat. You're right for bringing that up, yeah. Dan. Yeah, we're talking to Charles Marino, a former Secret Service agent. You've seen him on uh, probably Newsmax, Fox, does a whole lot of TV. I got just a couple minutes left, so I'll make this the last question. But the, I like to yeah. give practical tips to the audience. You know, basic stuff, like if you're in a restaurant – you know, there's always going to be an exit outside the kitchen. That's probably going to be where something breaks bad, where you want to run. Um, you know, know where the crash bars are. Understand an HVAC system, how it works, what a positive pressure stairwell looks like if there's a fire. Uh, you know, have blueprints to your building in case something happens. You know, Chuck, the IRA had this expression when they tried to kill Margaret Thatcher. You know, we only have to be lucky once. You have to be lucky every day. Mm-hmm. But the way to That's maximize right. your luck is to be prepared. You know, any practical tips for people out there, if, you know, this weekend, if God forbid something were to break bad, a soft target attack or something like that? Yeah, well, as you and I both know and, and many of your listeners know, um, large events uh, are the, the greatest risk. They are the most appealing. Uh, we saw where Hamas went into the music festival that was taking place uh, in Israel. They likely knew in advance that that event was taking place, and that's why they targeted it. Uh, a large amount of victims uh, in the initial phase of the attack. So if you're going to large events, keep your head on a swivel. Um, If you're going to places to dine out, have a plan. Know where the exits are. Know where you've parked, where you've left your car, and the fastest way to get back to it. Um, But you've got to be involved in your own safety and security. You cannot rely on anybody else to be there if something goes wrong. You're going to be the first actors to save your own lives. And Chuck, one last thing. I know I said we got to run, but just one last yeah. thing, just, just so you can reiterate to the audience. It, it just You've been in stressful situations like I have. And I don't mean stressful like bullets were going downrange. I mean like, you know, the president and the entourage are coming your way. Something happens, a tree falls, a car backfires, and you're quickly forced to move with an entire posse behind you. If you haven't rehearsed that in your head, if this happens, I'm doing that. I don't care how good of an agent you are. You're just not going to do it. There's that fog of war for that eight to 10 seconds or so where you're like dropping the F-bomb. What do I do? What do I do? So when you're in a restaurant, you got to be walking through. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to be a maniac about it. But if someone comes through this front door with a rifle, what the hell am I going to do? Oh, look, there's the kitchen right there. Let me go to bed. Is there a door back there? Okay, good. You're good. It takes you 10 seconds to do. You don't go over that in your head. You're never going to do it when the stress hits. No, that's true. You're going to have that eight to 10 seconds of recognition uh, that it takes to actually absorb what's going on and that it's something bad. Um, and you're only going to lower that uh, amount of time of recognition by practicing it uh, and recognizing all these different ways that you can be hit. The other thing is yeah. at home, you know, make sure you're prepared. Make sure you're prepared for things like power going out. You know, look, we live in this world of cyber. Uh, it's the Wild West right now. Uh, we know that hacking uh, takes place and that U.S. critical infrastructure is targeted every single day, uh, make sure you're going to be able to survive uh, within your houses without yeah, electricity. so important. You know, so yeah, important. Food, I say that all drink, the time. Everything. Food. Yeah. Exactly. A generator. I know it's expensive, yeah. but so is dying. Charles, yeah. Chuck Marino, yeah. so good to talk to you. We'll do it again sometime if you're down. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right, Dan, I appreciate it. Talk soon. See you, buddy. That was an old colleague of mine, folks. Good man.
we were agents together. Did a lot of protection together. That story's true, by the way. Guy was freaking out about a blown tire. He's like, it's a flat tire. Shut up and just fill up the tire. Don't hit the bed. Strategic ass, too. I had some thoughts about the possibility of terrorists attacking us here. But first, just let me get to our next sponsor, and we'll get right back to it. Folks, listen, I'm not here to nag you about your diet, but here's the hard reality. As you get older, if you're not eating healthy, you're aging faster than everyone else. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. The thing is, you want to die later, and you don't want to be miserable your entire life. You know you want to die? At 100 years old, in your sleep, with a heart attack, with no diseases and no arthritis and nothing else. Well, I can't promise you that, but I can promise you one of the ways to better health is good nutrition. I take this twice a day, Field of Greens. I've been taking it for years. Folks, I'm going to be 49 in just about over a month. I love this stuff. This is the wild berry. I know the owners of the company well. It is the best fruit and vegetable product out there, hands down. There's not even a second best. I think you'll feel better with more energy, and I'll bet you notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. We all know healthy, wholesome fruits and vegetables, all here in this great tasting powder. We all know that's the secret to better health is a really, really good, high-quality diet. Eat right, exercise, take your field of greens. Join me. Take field of greens. I take two scoops a day. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan and use promo code Dan. Start today. Don't wait. 15% off your first order. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Promo code Dan, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Go today. You'll thank me later. Keep your body healthy. You don't know what's coming. Keep your head on a swivel. I had that message for everyone. Anyone who supports the savages and the savages themselves, you're not on my team. This pretty much sums up the week. So there are various reports coming out I've seen on social media from uh, credible sources that there's been a uh, rather large drone strike in northern Israel, or in Israel emanating from Lebanon. And if you listen to my interview with a former colleague of mine, security expert, about the drone threat, the problem with the drone threat, again, is very simple. It's not complicated to explain, but oddly enough, if you're not in the security space, it's something, you know, it's something people don't really think about a lot. Why would you? I mean, you've got your own job to worry about. You're a pilot or, well, it's probably a bad example in that case, but... You know, you're, you're out there in the street, you're an architect, you're running a hardware store. You have no reason to sit there and be concerned about the drone threat. But the reason a threat from a drone is so severe is human beings can't fly. There's no way to intercept it except by another drone or some type of mechanical or jamming device some kind of physical or, or RF jamming device or something like that to take it down. And the question is, what kind of payload is the drone carrying? I bring this up because the terrorists already know about this. And I brought it up with my former colleague because this is what you know, it keeps me, I don't know, it creeps me up at night, whatever, people have these dumb lines. I, I sleep at night, fine, but it's provokes anxiety. It's probably a precise way to say it. Folks, it doesn't take a lot for these terrorists to, you know, pick a few drones and fly them over an outdoor festival and drop a couple grenades. I mean, it, it, it'd be terror everywhere. You can't fly. How are you going to deactivate the drone? How are the cops going to do it? Are you going to shoot it? Good luck. You better have some double-lot buck with a large scatter field there, because those things ain't easy to hit. Especially if they're moving quick. You know, the savages are here. It's why I keep doing these shows. I'm really, um, I'm really sorry and apologize. I'm deeply apologetic if the shows, you know, scare you a little bit. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. I just want you to be prepared. The way to reduce anxiety in your life is to be prepared. You know, the world's full of threats, man. You could trip tomorrow and electrocute yourself on a third rail on a train track. We don't live our lives in absolute fear of anything, and we shouldn't. But fear's a real thing, and as I said to you on Monday, all you can pray for is to not live in fear of fear. Fearlessness is a myth. It's a fairy tale. It's a stupid thing they put on a live without fear. Eh, what do you want, moron? 
That's childish advice you'd give to an idiot. Well, live with fear, but don't live in fear of fear. That's different. I'm just concerned about you. It's clear the savages are here. It's clear now the savages know they bit off more they can chew than they can chew in Israel. The only way, the only way now going forward is to go through. The savage understands that. Now they're like, listen, we can't get out of this now. They're about to be invaded by upwards of 300,000 Israeli IDF force soldiers. Hamas understands right now this is a fight to the death. And I think what they're going to attempt to do is cause chaos here to turn the American public against them and say, hey, hey, we got our own fight to deal with. I'm not telling you these people are smart. They're morons. They're savages. If they were smart, they wouldn't be savages. But the savages are here. And they've got a large network of left-wing activists that support them in this unholy alliance against warriors for freedom like you. And it's been going on for years. We've tolerated this. Jim, cue up that supercut uh, media one. Cut four. Here's about a minute and 20 seconds of the media over the years basically defending Hamas, finding any reason, any reason, which is really incredible to me. I mean, it's amazing how they call, you know, loyal patriots to the United States who love this country, regardless of your color, creed, or nation of origin, Nazis and the most disgusting things. And then you've got people practicing the exact same thing the Nazis did, genocidal extermination. And these a-holes in the media can't find a single reason to call them out. Who's the real enemy, man? Here, listen to this. This morning, a top former Israeli general went on national radio in Israel to say there has been absolute apartheid in the occupied West Bank for the past 57 years and even compared the situation there with Nazi Germany. Palestinians are looking around and, and thinking, who is going ever to protect us? Hamas is seeing a wave of popularity after this latest round of violence presenting itself as the sole defenders of the Palestinian people. Farah never supported Hamas before, but does now. Violence comes from despair. In Gaza, many see these attacks as justified. Many Palestinians believe dancing with death is the only way to show their desperation. Politicians think they can just ignore the context in which all of this is happening, the fact that Israel is an occupying power. When you have mandatory conscription uh, and service in Israel, effectively the Palestinians will say it's war against everyone because everyone's a soldier. Look, I think we need to understand that Palestinians live a daily reality of structural oppression and violence. Subjugation, control, oppression, etc. Many Palestinians feel powerless. The Palestinians have to, I mean, they're, they're frustrated. They're trying to get uh, get some kind of attention. Let's talk about the A word. This is apartheid. An apartheid regime. The system of apartheid. That's, um, that's really incredible. Listen, any innocent, innocent Palestinian out there who doesn't support this, you have, uh, you have my sympathy. To a Palestinian who votes for Hamas and support what they're doing, you can go yourself. And um, you'll probably die a brutal death in the coming days and weeks. I won't shed a single tear for you. You support terrorists, Nazis. They're Nazis. They support the exact same. What's the difference between them and Nazis? We support the extermination of the Jews. Uh, what's the difference? What's the difference? No, no, there's nuance. No, there's not. No, you're Nazis. That's it. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm in no way confused about how I feel about this. If you are a Palestinian or anyone else who openly supports the beheading of children, the raping of innocent women and children, by the way, the taking of them as hostages and their torture and execution, you're a savage. You're going to die a savage like death. I have no, no sympathy for you at all. None. None. You're going to die like a dog. Sorry. But you wanted death and death is what's coming for you. I wish it weren't the case. I wish you hadn't done this, but our SEAL Team 6 and our Delta people, they're apparently uh, now uh, 22 American victims. I think seven hostages were American. No one really knows the number at this point. Could be more. Our Delta guys, it's all they do. They're trained to do one thing. They're trained to kill. 
and they do it more efficiently than anyone. And let me tell you something. If you're on the receiving end of that, and you think because you shot off a few AK mags in the desert, you're some kind of trained assassin, you've never experienced one of these guys in your face with a muzzle. They don't flinch. They don't move. You know, I was doing a hot wash thing at the Secret Service Training Center about, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe more. And Matt Eversman, who was the chalk team leader in the Black Hawk Down incident, he's an Army Ranger, good guy. Uh, he's a character played by Josh Hartnett, if you've ever seen the movie. It's a real, it's a real guy, obviously. It's a true story. But that's his real name. I actually played him. Uh, he came in to give us kind of a uh, breakdown of what happened in the Black Hawk Down Somali incident. And I was talking to him after there was about an hour lecture. And believe me, there wasn't a single person in the room who said a word the entire time. It was like one of the most powerful hours I've ever heard someone speak in my life. It was unbelievably fascinating, his story about what went down over there. But afterwards, I'll never forget this conversation. We were chatting a little bit. And he's a ranger, which is a pretty... Pretty tough group of, uh, what would Trump call him, Jim? Tough hombres or something? <laughs> Is it Trump thing? These are tough guys. <laughs> These guys, you don't want to toy with the Rangers. Rangers lead the way, right? All the way. And for, for Matt to say this, he said, Dan, I got to tell you, man, these Rangers were tough, man. They fought and they fought hard. They killed something like a couple hundred Somalis and we lost, was it 19? or it was It was a bad day. But... The Rangers fought tough, and he looked at me, though, and his words, he said something, something to the effect of, he's like, but I got to tell you, he's like, these Delta guys were incredible. He's like, there were bullets whizzing by their head. They wouldn't even flinch. He's like, these guys would clear corners like it was something out of a video game. You know, like no emotion at all. I mean, he meant it as a compliment. He meant that as a compliment. It wasn't meant to be an insult. Like, these guys just were the best of the best. There was a significant Delta presence there. So I say to the savages, I'm just a 48-year-old busted-down guy, man. I, I'm nobody's tough guy, okay? But those guys are. And I say to the savages holding our people, you better pray to your God that you don't come face to face with them because they'll kill you in a millisecond and never think twice about it. They will kill you. They'll dead check you by scraping your sternum or poking you in the eyeballs. They will take your gun away from you and they will move on and then kill the next guy. And they won't lose a second of sleep over it. I want you to just take that all in because I think you all bit off more than you could chew. I think you thought allying yourself with Western BLM and Antifa groups that public opinion was going to turn and you never anticipated that the American response would be, eh, don't toy with us and take our people hostage. We don't, we don't like that. You better pray to your God at that Delta team doesn't come knocking down your door or SEAL Team 6 either. I've worked with these guys. We've used them as QRFs overseas, quick reaction forces. These are not the guys you want to toy with. I was sitting in, uh, in a base in Bagram Air Base in Afghanistan doing a security advance for Obama. He was going to give a Purple Heart to one of these Delta guys. And the Delta guy, he had his stick with him. He had his rifle with him. And a staff kid came up to me. It's on a military base in Afghanistan. And he said, uh, you know, I don't know if we want that in the picture, the rifle. I said, what? He said, can you ask that guy to leave it outside? I said, tell you what, jerk wad. How about you ask him? Guy came in the room with his rifle. You know, I worked with the Shin Bet and the Mossad a lot, too. And we had a line. Don't F with the Israelis. Don't do it. 
You're on the wrong side of our special forces team right now. And a group of trained operators in Israel who will never, ever forget you. Facial recognition is out there now. Technology is really good. If you're listening, I'm telling you to the savages out there. Your days are numbered. So say your prayers, sign your wills. Whatever you need to do with the little stuff you probably own because you've dedicated your life to butchery. But settle your affairs. Because the Israelis don't ever forget. Ever. Just ask those folks who thought it would be a good idea to kidnap Israeli athletes from the Olympics decades ago. That didn't really work out for them too well. Didn't really work out. Thanks for listening to this special Sunday podcast. Check us out on radio stations across the country. Just click Station Finder at Bongino.com. See you on Monday. You just heard Dan Bongino.